the Auburn Observer Podcast, the recap edition, and um, well, it's not going to be fun for a lot of Auburn fans recapping this one, I don't think. Alabama 42, Auburn 13 in the Iron Bowl. We will get to some basketball later on in the episode, so it won't just be uh, all uh, doom and gloom, uh, I would imagine, with the, with the football program um, as Auburn basketball uh, splits their trip to Fort Myers and has uh, a game coming up on Monday night against UCF. Uh, but yeah, Auburn 42, Auburn loses 42-13 rather in the Iron Bowl in 2020. And um, I mean, this this one kind of followed a script that we've seen before from the Iron Bowl. You know, when Auburn is able to hang with Alabama under Gus Malzahn, you know, they play a good four-quarter game. They do a better job of executing, like, in scoring opportunities. Uh, there's some weird stuff that happens, some chaos. Auburn takes advantage of that. And they're able to, you know, to get the late plays to, to, to make it to make it work. Uh, that wasn't happening on Saturday because Alabama um, kind of cruised uh, from the first, you know, really after the first quarter. They never really felt threatened in this one. And, um yeah, I just followed a script that we have seen in the past from uh, from Auburn against uh, a really good Alabama team. And I guess you could also say at this point um, a really good Georgia team as well because it felt, it felt very similar, I thought, to, uh, to what we saw earlier this season. Some differences, but it, it felt ultimately very similar to what we saw from, uh, from the Georgia game in Week 2. Right. I was not surprised by this outcome. I was bracing for it is how I would put it for – Mm-hmm. I didn't think Auburn was going to get blown out because yeah, I thought yeah, I thought they would put up a, <laughs> I, I thought I thought they would put up a, a better fight on offense and I thought the defense would would do a better job and we'll get to and we'll get to the to the defensive uh, problems here but I think the the big takeaway that everybody is going to have from this one is once again Auburn plays highly ranked highly ranked team a highly ranked rival and can't get anything going on offense um, Auburn finishes the game with. Uh, 347 yards, but they ran 80 plays, uh, 4.3 yards per play. Uh, Bonex 23 of 38 for 227 through two picks. Uh, the running game did not much to speak of. Tank Bigsby obviously not 100. Uh, percent Most of Auburn's rushing yards, or I wouldn't say most, the the best of Auburn's rushing yards came in the fourth quarter by Mark Anthony Richards, who came in uh, because there were injuries to both uh, Bigsby, um, of course, and and DJ Williams, who picked on up later. And uh, Sean Chavers didn't really, um, wasn't really effective running the ball in this one. Uh, Auburn's offensive line was down a player or two for most of the game. Um, yeah, it just it, it, nothing ever really seemed to get going on the offensive end. And and once again, it's another game where Auburn, in a big moment against a big a, bi- a big time opponent, just can't get it done. Um, and I think uh, I think a big problem in this one is is just the the play of uh, play of the the passing game, because running game. I mean, not having Tank at 100, percent not having your offensive line at 100. percent Alabama has been a really good run defense all year. They've been a really good defense these last last month of the season, but um, specifically this season, with the exception of the the Ole Miss game, they've done a really good job of slowing down the run. Um, so that like it, that one was kind of a wash because outside of Najee Harris's uh, late touchdown run, you know, Alabama wasn't able to run the ball either. But the difference in this one is is that Mac Jones and that Alabama passing game was making it look effortless. They were 
putting it where they wanted it to. They were making big plays. Um, they were taking advantage of whatever mistakes Auburn made. And they just, it was very fluid uh, through the air. Whereas for Auburn in the passing game, you know, 38 passes from Bo Nix, but like I said, two, two picks. Um, you know, the yards per attempt was below six. It just, it, it looked very, very labored. Auburn trying to throw the ball, uh, and that's hard to do and keep up with when you have a team like Alabama, who is the best offense in America this year. Ferg, what did we learn from this game? I have an answer, but I'm curious to okay. hear yours. My and, and my answer is a bit of a trick. All it's, right, go for it, it. I would say that we didn't learn anything. Okay. The surprise to me was that it was as lopsided as it was. I thought Auburn would yeah. cover at 24 and a half if you want to use that as a metric. And I just thought that Auburn would not be, is despondent the right word? I just thought Auburn wouldn't be as poor as they were offensively. Yeah. And part of that goes to Alabama's defense has gotten a lot better in the second half of the season. But They have uh, been really good this year in, in, recent, in recent weeks. That, that touchdown streak that they had was longer than any team in the country had had. Touchdownless streak. Um, and really, I mean, they had locked it down pretty well since the old, since the old Miss and Georgia games. Um, I, I, I think the, I think the thing here is, is that you're in a spot if you're Auburn where, you know, you don't have the talent. There is a talent gap and there is a sizable talent gap. I looked it up today, uh, just cause I was curious if you go to 24 sevens, uh, team composite, their, their talent composite where they, they basically add up all the, the recruiting rankings of every scholarship player on the team and, and, you know, weigh it out and, you know, rank it. The gap between Alabama and Auburn right now is bigger than the gap between Auburn and Kentucky and Arkansas, right? So that's how far ahead Alabama's playing. And, and really the gap between the gap between Alabama and like LSU is still a pretty sizable one as well. But We've seen in the past Auburn ended this game winning two out of its last three in the Iron Bowl. And they were able to beat Alabama in 2017 because Alabama offensively was nowhere near what they are right now. They had their issues. As one-dimensional as they have been, I think, under the Saban era. I mean, I can think back to those years where they played that constricting type of smash, run the football, Mm -hmm. a lot more boring, quite frankly, but still effective. And like, yeah, they, and they had, were not ever that one dimensional as they were with Hertz, even for all the great things Hertz was. And he was a great college mm-hmm. quarterback. Emphasis and Auburn on great had a college quarterback. And Auburn had uh, Auburn was able to slow down the run in that game from Alabama, and he wasn't able to effectively throw the ball. Well, in this game, Alabama was not able to run the ball effectively, and it did not matter. It did not matter one bit, um, because since since really that Iron Bowl. Um, if you look for Auburn since, since they put Tua Tagovailoa into the game in the national title, uh, in the 2017 season, um, Alabama has just been able to just torch teams through the air and it really, they have all that wide receiver talent. They have quarterbacks who can, who can put it on the money with Tua and now with Mac Jones. And so last season, like defensively, Auburn didn't play as badly, like there were bigger mistakes in this game defensively, and you didn't have the bigger moments. You didn't have the two pick sixes, right? But defensively, it wasn't like Auburn like played so much worse than they did last year against Alabama. The difference was is that Alabama didn't make the the, the critical mistakes. Alabama didn't, you know, 
Alabama didn't get didn't have nearly as many penalties. You know, last year that was a huge part of that game was Alabama got penalized so much. Um, and then and then the two pick sixes. This one they they played a clean game. And when Al, when that much talent plays cleanly, like you have to be, as Owen Papo said after the game, you have to play basically perfect to hang with a team like Alabama. And Auburn didn't. Um, and so Alabama, like last season, they 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 get all that chaos. It, it's it's possible, obviously, to beat Alabama, right? But on the road, when you don't have any of that, you know, home field advantage and, and some of the weirdness that comes with Jordan Hare Stadium, that's not a quantifiable metric. But like, it's, I mean, 2013, 2017, 2019, they all happened in Jordan Hare. They didn't happen. None of them happened in Bryant Denny. Um, what you have to do if you're Auburn is you have to play pretty perfectly. And, you know, we talked about it earlier in the week. Take advantage of your red zone trips. You know, Auburn Auburn has been able to beat Alabama because they were better in the red zone. And technically they were better in the red zone Saturday against Alabama because Alabama never got into the red zone. Neither did Auburn. So if you want to expand that definition a bit and say scoring trips, times when your opponent when you're when you cross the the forty yard line and you're in scoring range, what did Auburn do with their scoring trips? Well, they kicked two they kicked two short field goals. Uh, they scored a garbage time touchdown, um, and they had a turnover. And it yeah, I mean like they they were not able to get it done. Meanwhile, Alabama pretty much every time they crossed the forty with the exception of that fumble late um, and then that early plus territory punt. I mean, it was, it was five, it was five, six touchdowns. They were, they were getting it in the end zone. And if you're Auburn, I mean, that's, it's a death sentence at that point. If Alabama, if Alabama is, is, is scoring when they want and you, and everything you're doing on your side of the ball, when you get in scoring range, looks like such a grind. Uh, it's, 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 it's going to be a bad day. That was definitely a takeaway, not the first time we've had that this season where it felt like a lot of what Auburn was doing looked difficult, even yeah. when there was success. And let me also add, the reason I say I didn't feel like I learned anything from this game, in the words of Dennis Green, the teams are who we thought they were, right? Like right. Auburn is still a team that has a quarterback that when he's playing well puts the team in a position to win. But I don't think he's at all in a position where when there's not a strong running attack that he can put the offense on his shoulders. And we found out that the defense is capable of keeping Auburn in games, but in this style of college football, you cannot expect a defense, especially against that team, to keep it to, you know, 20 points. And so there has to be more offensive production. Oh, they didn't keep him to 20 points last year. Like right. <laughs> and still exactly, won exactly exactly so I, I just don't or feel, the year I before th- I think at least on a macro level most of the truths of this team the strengths and the weaknesses reared themselves and the thing that I was surprised by was just that Auburn didn't look a little bit more fluid I thought it would be a little bit better offensively the score if you get the Seth touchdown or if Auburn picks up another garbage time touchdown which they didn't but then the score is almost exactly what I thought it would have I, been. I thought Auburn was going to get that backdoor cover. Yeah, exactly. I thought it might have hovered around the twenty point mark, no matter what. For I mean, you Auburn, can and you can take hover around the forty point mark for Alabama. You can take two plays away from this game, and it's you know thirty five twenty Alabama. You yeah, know. the score looks more respectable, but obviously that if, if you the watch two, the game, if the two you deep balls, if the two close. if the two deep balls go in the different direction, right? Sure. If if Auburn doesn't. 
if Auburn doesn't bust that coverage, if, if Smoke Monday doesn't bite on that on that pump fake, which really good pump fake in the pocket by Mac Jones, and Devontae Smith can't get behind him, you know, you get a stop there or whatever. Um, and then if if Seth Williams doesn't drop his ball, you know, at the, at the ten, which would have been an instant touchdown. I mean, it, it's a it's a much closer game, right? And that, that's only two plays that you have to change. But that's the problem is that you can't do that. You can't live like that. We've been saying that all year when Auburn's won is that you can't just come back and say, all right, well, if this thing didn't happen and this thing, it happened, you go on, you you, you play from there. Um, instead, yeah, I mean, I think do that – Do you feel like you learned something like after a, basically a season's worth of games? No, it, not quite. It, it, just, it, it just reaffirmed my, my, my thinking about what, where this, this, this offense is at this point, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Auburn was coming into this game on a stretch where – the last three games they had played had been three pretty strong games um, from the offense, especially especially Bo Nix, right? Well, they were also Ole Miss, LSU, and Tennessee, three not good defenses. And the problem is, is that in this in this weird season of college football, the elite is really separating themselves from everybody else, and so Auburn has been able to get on this run in this season because they have not they've not had to play another really good team like Georgia since Georgia, right? They lost to South Carolina cuz they made too many mistakes and that South Carolina team's horrible. And you know, you did that yourself. But when you look at when you look at Auburn this year, it's like this is game 8 of the season and you still look like you're you're you can't get anything going again against an elite team. It's not necessarily that Auburn can't move the ball, and it's not necessarily that Auburn does, has a bad offense. It's just when they play really good teams, this has been a theme for most of the time. I mean, go back to last season against against Alabama. You needed two pick sixes and some weirdness happening to win that game. Bo Nix didn't have a great game against Alabama last season, right? He completed 50% of his passes for like 150 yards. It's still that kind of grind, and you got to. I mean, you have to hit your spots. Now, there's a, there, you know, if Auburn goes for it on fourth down on on some of those on some of those tries instead of kicking those field goals, uh, which ended up not really mattering. Um, and you know, if Bo, if if Seth Williams doesn't drop that touchdown, it looks different, but still on a per play basis, Alabama is just running you up right now. Um, almost doubled you in yards per play, almost doubled you in yards, uh, more than doubled you actually in, in yards per pass attempt. Um, and like by the end of the game came close to doubling you up in yards per carry. Uh, it's a, it's, it's that thing where like Auburn comes into this game and as the underdog, you have to play for moments. You have to play for, take advantage of these opportunities when they come your way. And not only did Auburn not do that in the few opportunities that came their way, Alabama just didn't give them very very much of anything because they were well-prepared, well-drilled, they didn't make a ton of mistakes, and they just played like the best team in America. So I don't necessarily think you learned anything differently. It's just it's just kind of reaffirmed something that we thought earlier in the year. It's like, yes, Auburn has gotten better on offense. Yes, Chad Morris has updated the passing concepts. Yes, Bo Nix has gotten better in, in some areas. Yes, Auburn can run the ball now. Yes, this offensive line, when healthy, has been able to be a better unit, especially in run blocking this season. Yes, they're throwing the ball to a bunch of different receivers, which, again, Nix did yesterday. Eight different guys caught balls on, uh, against Alabama. However, put them up against a really good team, a team that's better than you on paper, and once again, it just it feels like so much of a grind. And 
the elites versus the non-elites in college football this season. Now, there's only a few of them that have this. But the elites in college football this season, especially, and this has been the way for the last couple of years, but it's really, really you know hammered at home this year, is the ones that their offense is matchup proof. You turn on a game for Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson or, or Florida, I think is a really good example of this this year, is they're just going to move the ball. And it doesn't matter who they're playing. It doesn't matter if you're playing Georgia or Vanderbilt. It doesn't matter if... You know, if you're Clemson, if you're playing Notre Dame, or and I think Notre Dame's kind of getting that to a degree as well this year. Doesn't matter if you're playing Notre Dame or uh, you know, Wake Forest. Like you're going to be able to put the ball in the air. Doesn't matter if you're Ohio State, if you're playing Penn State, which well, that's a bad example. Uh, man, there's really nobody in the Big Ten. It doesn't matter if you're playing Indiana, I guess, or uh, you know, or uh, I guess if they played Northwestern, if you're Ohio State. They're able just to put up points in bunches. I was so thrilled, by the way, just so thrilled to watch. After all that talk, they got just the slightest bit of of a backhanded. Uh, I don't even. It wasn't a compliment, but anyway, fun to see Michigan State upset Northwestern. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, well, again, as I said, if you want to see, like, don't overreact to what's happening this season, and just realize that this is just the 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 top of the top of the top of the of the um of the sport separating itself even further from everybody else. If you, you know, if you don't overreact to what's going on and just look at it for what it is, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame this year, um, you know, Ohio state, if they can, if they can get healthy, Florida, uh, to an extent, Florida's gotten in that range this year. Um, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody, Notre Dame. Um, they're just like separating themselves from everyone else. And the big, the biggest proof of that, or whatever else is going on, is just kind of a, a toss up, a wild card. The biggest proof of that is that Northwestern was number eight in the country, and it was like kind of by default, because you can't watch Northwestern and say that is a top ten football team. Now, do they play really good defense? Sure. Do they play? Do they not kill themselves on offense? Yeah. But like, like there yesterday, was a scenario where they a horrible themselves. Michigan State team, you know, got off to a big lead against them, and then able, and then were able to, you know, come back and hang on in the end. There was a scenario where Northwestern, had they not done the inevitable and simply taking care of business, could have almost by default found itself in the playoff. Yeah, if Ohio State can't play. Right, exactly. And, there's and, a and yeah, can you imagine that Northwestern team playing 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 Alabama? Because it, was, like, it would be getting robbed, quite frankly. Because I don't. I guess it would be kind of fun to see uh, what Fitzgerald thinks uh, about those athletes that he was so proud of after playing Alabama. It would be kind of exciting to think. Yeah. To, to see, to see if he would be so soft about just one single comment. Yeah, because 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 here's the thing with Auburn. Like Auburn didn't play well yesterday and got and got and got whipped. They still are a top fifteen program in the country in terms of pure talent. Northwestern is not. <laughs> so like it would take it like it would take so much for them to I even think it would look even... pretty close to what the score looked like at the end of this game near halftime. Not kidding. Yeah, because yeah, I sure. think that Northwestern sure. would get behind and not be able to score any points. Either way, the issue right now for Auburn is is that under Gus Malzahn, you kinda know what your floor is. And for the most part, they can take care of business against teams they are better than now there's always some sort of exceptions there's always some some exceptions and you know those are the ones that really get you um what can can we run through them real quick the the tennessee game the south carolina game 
Am I missing any from like the, maybe the I mean, A&M, some, the some A&M state game games the from state yeah. games from the past where you, you weren't? Yeah, 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 you weren't necessarily. You are going to be most years. You're going to be a team that wins eight or nine games in, in a normal year, which is better than a lot of teams in college football. But the problem is, is that Auburn's goal is not to be one of the better teams in college football, especially when their biggest rival is the best team in the sport and is continuing this this brand of success that no one's been able to touch in this era. Meanwhile, your other big rival hasn't quite broken through that yet, but they're very they're as close as you can before. And they're just spanking you head to head, so it's not like right. You don't even have split, and you you don't even have the you don't even have the wild wins over Georgia or over Georgia that you do over Alabama. Now you crush them in seventeen in the regular season, but that's it. That's it for the most part. And so, and they got the last laugh. And they got the last laugh. Absolutely. So that's the issue with Auburn is that you kind of feel like, especially if the offense continues to look like this against ranked opponents, against really good opponents, because at Auburn you're going to keep playing really good opponents, it feels like you're kind of scraping the top of the ceiling. Like you're, 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 scraping, up against it, right? you're scraping up your ceiling right now at this point. They've got to find a way to get to the level on offense where they can break through and they can be that kind of matchup-proof kind of offense. And I don't know what the fix is, right? I... I, I don't I don't know because people are going to sit there and say they got it you got to have a change you got to you got to do something different and my argument has has continued to be is there anybody out there that may, that that guarantees you that you're going to be an upgrade right like is there anyone out there to guarantee you because that's a lot of money to spend on something that might not on an upgrade that might not exist and that's and that's the big thing for Auburn is is that they are in a tough spot because. They know what they are at this point, and they want more. The fan base wants more, but it's hard to say how they're going to get that more um, because Alabama especially, but now you can also point to Georgia as well. Talent-wise, that gap is not getting any smaller. And for Alabama, Alabama's figured out crack the code this year, and they've done it for the last few years, is that it's offense, right? Alabama's defense looked rough early, and they got it to get going. On the flip side, Georgia is supposed to have the best defense in America. And then they play Alabama and Florida this year, and it doesn't matter. It's just, okay, well, we'll just put it up and um, we'll just keep it We'll just keep it moving. Sorry, you're going to get blown out in this one. And they don't have the offense to keep up in a lot of these games. Now, they have the offense to beat Auburn. They have they have the offense to you know really put a hurting on a, on a lot of other teams. But it's like, how do you break through? How do you break through if you're Auburn? Because this is, once again, another time where you come into this game and you're a big underdog, and then you lose big on the road against your biggest rival, and it doesn't feel like a surprise. And it doesn't even feel like... I mean, it, it is definitely a disappointment, but it's never. But it's not just like, oh, this was completely out of the, out of the realm of possibility. Like, Howard... It wasn't like Auburn was just so thoroughly dominated yesterday, Right? They have moments where they move the ball. Or they just couldn't take advantage. And meanwhile, it's just Alabama just kept doing what Alabama does. And that is the issue if you're Auburn at this point because how do you get up there? Can you get up there? Um, people will point back to the fact that it, Auburn had those had the, that kind of offense in 2013 and 2014, but that was not built to last forever. Not only did the rules change on you in terms of the what you could do with tempo, but defenses were going to adjust. Teams were going to adjust. Like you look at it right now in college football, 
the teams that are winning big are the ones who can throw the ball really, really well. And then having this run heavy offense, like it's it's hard to see that that it's hard to see how that success would have been able to be sustainable at an elite level. Um, so I mean, I don't I don't know I don't know what's next. I don't know what's next. I know Auburn has to pick themselves off the off the ground and and finish out this season. Um, but big picture wise, you are behind Alabama. And unless you're playing a game at home and you're able to take advantage of some of the things that, that, that happen in home games in Jordan-Hare Stadium, you're just, this is just kind of, kind of be what happens in, in the Iron Bowl. It's what's happened for the most part in every one of their losses, especially the ones in, in, in Brian Denny under, under Malzahn. It, it's just same kind of thing outside, outside of, outside of 14, outside of 14 where you were able to put up a ton of points, but that was really the last time 13 and 14 really were the last times Auburn had that kind of offense that seemed matchup proof, uh, that loose offense uh, that could kind of do whatever they want, that confident, dominant offense. Meanwhile, Alabama has has built and, and evolved theirs. It doesn't feel anymore like if you need a touchdown, you would be very confident, you know, down, right. down five or six that you could rely. They might get it, um, but I – I think in 13 and 14, there was an air of like, all right, as long as there's a reasonable amount of time on the clock, they can probably work something out. That's obviously not been the case the majority of the last few seasons. My other question would be, and this one's for people listening, Ferg, as much as it is for you. Say in two years, three years, whatever the timeline is, Auburn has a different coach leading Mm -hmm. its program. How confident are you as a fan that they're going to be able to do what we've talked about a lot over the last two seasons, which is raise Auburn's ceiling, get to, let's say, 10 wins a year a little more often, and of course, beat those rivals a little more often? Because like, as you mentioned, Malzahn has established the floor. So what is the confidence that Auburn fans have that a change at the head of its program will amount to being basically a team that's... If, if they're on the fringe of being an elite team right now, I'd kind of disagree. I'd push back against that. But can they can they yeah. get on the fringe of they're a tier They're a tier two team in college Agreed. football. Agreed. And, and, and tier one right now is very small. And we'll see if Florida can hang there. I, I'm very interested Would you even put it. Oklahoma in that right now, given that it's no. definitely Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio, Ohio State? State. Yeah. Would, you put, would you put Oklahoma in it, considering it, all the success they've had without actually winning in the playoffs? Right, and, and I think there's a room for like Oklahoma this season, Oklahoma, Florida, and, and Notre Dame kind of in that kind of mm-hmm. kind of class on their own, and then Auburn's in there in this mix where they're really good teams that recruit really well, but you know we'll it's see. about one every four years is what Mal's. You can kind of one every four years be like, all right, there's enough combination of experience and when the Alabama right positions and talent, and when Alabama isn't an abject disaster, <laughs> it's just kind of what Auburn is as a program naturally, right? You had a run uh, in the Tupperville era, but that was when Alabama was floundering. And look, I don't think that's happening anytime soon, um, or if ever. We kind of briefly touched on this topic earlier, I guess, in the most recent podcast. But I would say even if the next coach, and it's going to be hard for them to be as as good of a CEO and developer as Saban is, because it's part of what makes him the best ever, like no matter what, as you said, they have now established yeah. both a brand and an ability to recruit at this high of a level. I don't think that they're going to drop out of the top five, and they'll probably stay in the top three most years, even when Saban does hang it up. Yeah, and so if you're Auburn, you in recruiting you, to specify, right? And if you're Auburn, in this case, 
it's just what is it going to take for you to get get up to that point? And can you? Because I I look around college football right now, and I look at you know other coaches and other situations, and I don't see a magic bullet fix, right? And that's the thing with Auburn at this point. There's a lot of fans who are frustrated. And they're tired of having these games here. Every other year, you get shelled by Alabama, and and, and most years you get shelled by Georgia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And and you have these disappointing losses like South you Carolina. Can't really count on the LSU game unless it's at home and, and right then you okay. And I think LSU out. and I think LSU is 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 that LSU is about to balance itself out. I Those think. wins may become more attainable in the near future. Right, right. But again, it's Alabama and Georgia. Those are the big ones that you care about the most if you're an Auburn fan, and and for good reason. Um, that's the thing is like there's people who want change. They want to see a change, a change come. They want to see more consistency. They want to see that, that, and that. And it's like, I, I don't know that because it's because what you're, what you're going after, what you're trying to get is so rare in college football right now, especially if you're in the sec, right? It would be different. It would be different if Auburn was Clemson and got to play in the ACC or if they were Oklahoma and got to play in the big 12 where the competition is not, where it's or, or or the Big Ten in Ohio State, which I think the Big Ten is not going to be this down for forever, but um, they look very down this year. Auburn is in the spot where Alabama, one of those elite three teams, you play them every single year. You're in the same state as them, and also the team that is closest to breaking through to that to that to that degree at this point, Georgia, um, is your other big rival, and they've got your number. So, like, what gets you over the top? What is it internal? Is it external? Is it like, like I don't know. And that's and, and I think that's where the frustrating part is going to come in for 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 Auburn fans is that they're going to they want to find a fix because and I get it like they want to they want to see something different out of, out of Auburn football and it's like I don't know if there is one because what you're going after right now is you're already in a, a pretty good company compared to most of college football and most of the SEC but you're trying to get to the spot where very, very few teams have been able to reach it. And your geography and your conference alignment makes it tough for you to do that. Uh, makes it tougher for you to do that than, say, even Florida. Like, I think even Florida has a, has an easier time breaking into that into that tier than Auburn does, <clears throat> sorry, for, for several reasons. So, I, I think mean... It's funny when people talk about consistency with Gus, and I know exactly what they mean because there are the occasional slip-ups. and Oh, yeah. Pe- people, but what people really mean is they want to be consistently excellent. Yep. Because it's and like, that's, well, and he that's, is and... consistent. He's usually winning eight, maybe nine games. And it's like, that's pretty consistent, dude. It's just that occasionally... But it's not good enough. It's, it, yeah, occasionally right. it's a little more, and it's a tease, and you're like, all right, are we going to get this a little more often? It's like, no, probably not. Um no. So, and, I, and then the other thing here is like the money always comes up because he gets paid really handsomely. And it's like, word. Two things. One, I don't think Gus cares about the money all that much. It's sort of this funny paradox with him. Right. The other thing, and this is more important, it is the price of doing business. Yeah, I mean. The, I, the buyout wasn't. The buyout was dumb. But I don't know why you're pointing to him making $7 million a year. Regardless of who your coach is, whenever the time comes and there's another coach, you want that person, when they're considering whether or not they want to take on the challenges of Nick Saban in Alabama and Kirby Smart in Georgia and everything that comes with recruiting and competing in the SEC, you want them to go, no hesitation, like it, the price tag will be worth the headache. Right. Yeah, there's, there, there's no doubt about that. I think when you look at Auburn right now and people want to talk about the price tag and all that, 
this is the here's the bottom line. Right now, Auburn is the one, two, three, fifth best team in the SEC by record. Um, in the in the league, they pay Gus Malzahn the fifth most money. They recruited about the sixth or seventh best level in the SEC this year. Now, problem is that those marks are usually top ten nationally, and so there's like this kind of conflation going on there. But it's like it's not that the program is bottoming out, right? You know hitting rock bottom. We have seen what rock bottom looks like for the program under previous coaches. Auburn is not near there yet. It's just these losses, these rivalry losses are really, really embarrassing and really frustrating for the fan base. So they want to see something different. They want to see they want to see a change. They want to see they want to see something different. And I get that, but like also you look at the you look at the level that they're at right now. It's not necessarily that Auburn is is bottoming out as a program. In terms of money and recruiting, at the at this moment in the SEC, they're right around where that they probably should be now. Where their yeah, where their return ought to be. I now you don't lose to South if you don't lose to South Carolina. If you don't lose to South Carolina, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. I mean, in terms of in terms of uh, where you recruit and where you and where you and how much you pay your coaches and all that. Um, the issue though is you've tasted success. You've gotten you didn't get used to it, but you. You've tasted success, right? Auburn wants to be more than a spoiler. I think given its yes. current circumstances yes. over the next couple of seasons, Ole Miss is an excellent example of, of a program that can be a great spoiler. And if they ever get to seven or eight wins on top of it, like eight wins, I think, in the division he's in would be very exciting, especially the way they're playing. Yep. Auburn, that, that's kind of a ceiling in the next two seasons for Kiffin. You know, for Auburn, that's generally the floor. And so there's this plateau or feeling of a plateau. I think yep. you're spot on. And so it's just the, 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 the challenge now for Auburn moving forward is how do you how do you get closer to Alabama and Georgia? Because a right question now you'll you're have not. to ask yourself regardless of if Gus is the coach or not. And for the record, I fully expect him to be next year. And I'm not going to try to convince anyone that he should or shouldn't be. You've already made your mind up as you're listening to this. Right. Um, because there's still a lot of money at stake and there's not a whole lot of money to go around right now. Uh, if you're, if, if you're Auburn, um, I guess final thoughts on the game itself. Auburn made a lot of mistakes defensively, not a ton. They made, they made several notable mistakes on defense. Owen well, it's said, more obvious when the offense is that good. They take advantage right. of, of, of every miscue and, and yeah, it was not the quite the game I had expected for the defense. I, I think that's fair to say they slowed down the running game really well early, but it didn't matter because Alabama sure. could throw the ball like that. Um, they have all those weapons and that any little mistake or any little moment where you can get behind somebody in coverage, they have the talent just to take full advantage. Boy, and, I was dead wrong about Devontae Smith. I was I, getting on I had a, telling I, people, Hey, you need I had to... a feeling. I had a feeling that they weren't going to be able to do that to Devontae oh, Smith. Oh man. I could not have been more wrong. He's a about... different, he's a different cat. He's a different yeah, cat. You know, than, I was, than, I was following the terrorists. I was following the Terrace Marshall, you know, Elijah Moore thing where Steele and his defense has been good. And I was like, all right, but that means everyone else is going to get theirs. And I guess in a way they did, but Smith's No, Smith's no not really. Not really. No? How much did, uh, did Mechie finish with? Mechie was it. Mechie was it. Nobody else had more than two catches. It was just Mechie. It was just Mechie and Smith, right? And so if you're if you're Auburn in this case, it's just like, yeah. I mean, Alabama, Alabama's done that to everybody this year, though, right? So – Yes, Auburn made mistakes. Yes, there were some there were some problems in in, in coverage uh, that they that they didn't do a good job with. Bad alignment, bad eyes, bad reactions, whatever you want to call it. Sure. 
they made mistakes. There's a standard that Kevin Steele wants them to play to, and today when they go through film and, and, and Monday when they talk about it, there's going to be a lot of stuff to correct that he wants because he has an extremely high standard. I will also, I'll also point to the fact that Alabama did this to Georgia. In fact, they made Georgia's defense look worse at times than, than Auburn's defense did. Well, and I also appreciate Owen was the one that I saw it most starkly from, but he just admitted that. I mean, he was the only defensive player who talked, so. uh, Fair enough. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, he had to be the voice of the defense. And I liked what he had to say as much as you can like what a guy has to say after getting it handed to you, which was that there weren't surprises. It's not like they came in feeling unprepared. Nope. They just got out-executed by a team that's already more talented than you. And if they're going to yep. out-execute you on top of that, I don't really know what to tell you. The mistakes loomed larger because Alabama didn't make mistakes of their own. There were no pick sure. sixes in this game. There weren't a ton of penalties. And um, CBS played up the game manager thing. Of course! Of course! And then you got into the and, and you got into the post-game, and then people had oh, to ask, ask Alabama players about it. Because, again... It's all about the narrative. It's all about the. It's all about the uh, about the talking points, right? It's all yeah, college football is just a collection of storylines, whether we can have them or we can manufacture them. It doesn't actually matter what actually happens in a game. It doesn't even matter what context they come in either. It's just that they happen. Um, but Auburn's defense, yeah, they made they made their mistakes, and Alabama like, but Alabama's done that to everybody they've played this year, and that's uh, that's what we talk about when we say matchup proof. Um, you know, they, they have a way of making you look worse than you are, right? So there have been some stretches this season where Ole Miss and LSU and some of these other teams Auburn has played has looked really good throwing the ball and moving the ball through the air, and Auburn was able to slow them down. Alabama has not had that hiccup yet against anybody, and I don't think they will. Um, Dog, I couldn't believe how good their defense was playing. Some of their secondary were just lighting up. Patrick Sertan, uh, Patrick Sertan might be the highest graded corner in the SEC this year. Uh, Josh Job's not far behind. Uh, I love his name. Uh, Malachi uh, was uh, sorry. I'm, I'm already, Malachi Moore. Sweet Job. Yeah, Malachi Moore. I mean, those three are just really good cover players for 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 Auburn. I mean, for Alabama, and it just made they just made life really difficult on Auburn. Um, that defense is really good. Like that's the best team in America, uh, bar none. Like. It, they have figured out their defensive issues, and they've started to settle in. Um, and they're as good of a defense on an elite program in college football this year as you're going to find. And then they've also got the best offense in America. I'm not saying they're gonna, they're definitely going to win the national title if we get to that this year, but I have a hard time believing that anyone is going to do that. And, buddy, if they play like they did yesterday, they're going to hang 80 on Florida in Atlanta. Like I'm not that excited about that game because Florida's, de- Florida's be defense is still Florida's defense is still a mess. Um, I, I shouldn't say it's not going to be entertaining. It probably will be for about two and a half quarters because Florida's going to score a little bit. Uh, I mean, we we were just talking about how, generally speaking, regardless of what defense they're yeah. playing, like they're going to get their 24, 30 points. But like Alabama, I just don't think they can 50. keep up. Yeah, I just don't think they can keep up um, with what with what Alabama can do. So yeah, I mean, I think the bottom line for if you're Auburn is you got to pick yourself up off the off the ground and and play these next two games. Uh, I don't know if, how much you saw of the Texas A&M game last night, but uh, they're not a top ten team. 
Yeah, a lot of people are telling me that they're not sure how Auburn's going to beat A and M now, and I'm like, look, I get not feeling confident coming off our of our boy, our boy Kellen Mond. Did you see his final stat lines last yes. night? Please tell the people for let please me tell the people. Let me get let me get it pulled up here real quick because I have to. Uh, I I was I was stunned at how you're bad telling that was. me Auburn fans that you don't think that Kevin Steele has an opportunity to give that guy fits again. I could look wrong. I could not just look wrong. Be very wrong a week from now. And Texas A&M will pull that game out, but I do not think that you can simply go into the matchup thinking that A&M is going to run train on your team. Why can't I? Why? Why can't I pull up a? All right, finally, um, Kellamon, eleven of thirty-four for one hundred and five yards. That's it. It's three yards an attempt. I mean, look no further than why that team also has its own ceiling, and you know they've. Okay, they, but someone here's, has it, to be it, in the top ten because they beat Florida, and that by all measure is a. Here's here, here, here's my thing. At home, at home, Kellamond had three yards in attempt against a, against a defense that that Auburn could not like. Auburn just got whatever they wanted against that. Bo Nix threw for three hundred on, and three touchdowns. Okay, so you know, and, and it was twenty to seven was the final, and A and M needed a pick six to get one of those touchdowns. Like they could get right back up next week. And like I know A and M's going to be in the top ten, and they they'll probably be favored in this game. But like, there's nothing I've seen from that from that team that says they are definitively going to like they're not at Alabama Georgia level. I don't think I don't think they're at Alabama Georgia level where they can just come in and say, well, we're mu- that much better than Auburn, and it's going to be you know we'll take care of business. Auburn's going to have a chance to win that game, and Auburn's going to have a chance to beat a Mississippi State team a week after that, a state team that's gotten better from where they were at the beginning of the year. You get into it. It's there's a chance to finish seven and three. We'll see if we have bowl games this season. I don't know if they sh- can or should. Um, <laughs> you know that aren't playoff games, but that's a then. Then what you're looking at is another typical year uh, under Auburn or for Auburn, where it's the equivalent of about a nine and three season. You lost two games uh, against your rivals that you you it wasn't really competitive in, and you lost a game that you shouldn't have lost and you won everything else and and some of those games are really wacky and like that's papo said it last night this is not the season auburn wanted to have which is true i think auburn fans heading into this season the season you wanted to have was you knew you weren't going undefeated you knew you weren't going to win the sec but beat one of all beat one of alabama or georgia and you know avoid a really bad loss and you're and and you know it's going to be a good year in a pandemic after what you got in the offseason. Well, you're not getting that this year. You did have the really bad loss, and you've gotten smacked by your two biggest rivals. So it's already going to be a disappointment, and your results may vary on, on how much of a disappointment it is. But at the end of the season, Auburn can finish 7-3, and three, and it's going to be like, all right, well, that's kind of where you expected them to be this year. Um, so, But they have to rebound, because this is where the weird part comes in. Normally, if you go get smacked against Alabama, it's, all right, well, um, we have a month before the bowl game. Now it's like, all right, no, you've got to turn around and play A&M next week. Which could go, you know, one of two ways. It could kind of make it feel like you're salvaging a season if you win your next two and you end up seven and three. And who knows about the bowl thing? And I'm not particularly uh, 
don't, I don't see about it, and I, I don't, don't think see. It I, matters. I, I'll say this real quick. I don't see why you have to have a bowl game if you're not in the playoff this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It but seems, I do think finishing it seems massively three. unnecessary, and it only is going. <laughs> it is only go, and like it'll help. It'll help the programs, I guess, with terms of money. But like, it's more like. Well, it's going to help the TV people and the and the bowl sponsors and the yes. bowl organizations. Can they just practice? Can they just let the teams practice instead if it's that important? I think that would be a better compromise. Just, that's what they want it for anyway. At least that's what Malzahn wants it for, I think, generally oh, yeah. speaking. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. like it's nice to get a little mini vacation out of it. But you like, can't even get that. Exactly. What are you going to do? Go sit in your hotel in Tampa or wherever? Like, right. Yeah. Like So a bowl game is not going to be fun for either the players or the, the fans because you're not going to be able to do any of the stuff you normally get to do in a bowl game, right? But so. I'm, and I'm a little hesitant to be like, they should have to practice, but like a lot of these guys do love playing football. And so like, if they, as a program, they will take whatever, time, like I think more than anything, coaches are going to want to not miss that practice time more right. than playing an exhibition game at the end of the year. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, any, any final thoughts on it? I just, I, I, you just, you just come, you just come away from the iron bowl thinking, this is what Auburn looks like against elite uh, against the elite of the elite in college football right now without weird stuff happening at home. Next year, they could be right back in that spot. It could be a better team next season. You know, fans could be on the field at Jern-Hare Stadium this time next year. Possibly. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but what I, but what it felt like is, is that unless, until Auburn figures out how to get to that offensive level that some of the best teams, that the, that the playoff contenders, the true playoff contenders are at in college football this season. Um, and l- until Auburn gets back to that level of offense, this is what it's going to kind of kind of mostly be moving forward, I think. Like I said, I f- it feels like Auburn's kind of scraping up against the ceiling. I, uh, I will just say that I'm willing to bet my firstborn's tuition that I think the team will continue playing hard over the next two weeks now. Hey, they hey they went on a 91-yard drive late or however, like 94 or whatever it was late. Um, it's possible Texas A&M just is better than I'm giving them credit for and ends up I don't see it. <laughs> I, agreed, agreed. I'm with you. But you know what? I'm just saying it Maybe. for scouts' honor. I'll, I'll admit it if I'm wrong. But no matter what, I think Auburn could lose that game and still try hard. I don't think they're going to quit over the next two weeks. And for a lot of Auburn fans, they may not care about that. But let me tell you what. If you were in the student section in 2012 or hanging around at all in 2012, you know what it's like when you're like, yeah, these players don't want to be here any more than I do. Right. And I and you haven't got that vibe yet from Auburn. I don't think you're going to get that vibe from Auburn. Um, but let me just say that I know we'll that see. as you listen and roll your eyes at this, people, like I don't expect that to be the thing that changes your mind. Again, not no. trying to change your mind on whether or not you no. think the program's going in the right direction. If Auburn finishes 7-3, and three, it's slightly overachieved, in my opinion, on the year, while still mm. not at all getting to what mm. it wanted to be. Mm. I don't know about that. You don't think? Weren't they projected to go six and four? Yeah, but we also thought LSU was going to be a lot better this year. We also thought some of these teams that they play were, were going to be better. I guess it's hard to Tennessee see for one with a with a loss to South, South Carolina. Carolina. Yep, and a that's and a, that, yeah, that's where I and hang kind it up. of an unimpressive performance against a team like Tennessee and Arkansas, where it's like neither of those teams are really as good as you. So maybe maybe you're kind of convincing me that that was a a foolish thing to say. Right. I, I think if I think I think if you're Auburn in this case, if you're Auburn football. I don't think that again, program's not hitting right bottom. I don't even necessarily think the program's going backwards. I think it's just where it is right now. I think it's kind of flatlining. And in a pandemic year, that's fine for the most part because you could be Penn State, you could be Michigan, you could be you could be Tennessee to an extent. You could be a writer who predicted that James Franklin is the third best coach in the country. You could. You could be one of those people. 
but the thing here, the thing here for Auburn is, is that, um, you've got to, there's got to be a, a page turned at some point because people, and not just fans who are online, but the people who actually have money and actually have power around Auburn, <laughs> the pandemic's a pandemic and like, God, I hope it's not going to be this way forever. But whenever you get her get out of this, or and whenever things start feeling quote unquote normal again, especially when it comes to how college football plays and how it's played and how this thing operates, um, playing performances like the ones yesterday can only go so far. You can only keep getting that to you. Whereas, yes, on paper, it makes sense to lose by double digits at Alabama and lose by twenty plus at Alabama. Like it makes sense on paper. But the way it happens, the rep, rep, repetitiveness of it uh, can only go so far. So um, they got They got to. If you're Gus Malzahn and you're and you're this coaching staff, you got to find a way to upgrade this offense. You got to find a way that, like, again, I think this offense is taking a step forward in a number of areas this season against teams that aren't aren't quite as good as them. Right? They are playing better on the whole this season than they did last season in wins for the most part. It's just now you got to get to the point where, like, what is it going to take to beat the Georgias and beat the Alabamas and it not have to be banking on close, tight, I don't want to say fluky because they, they, they absolutely happen, but closer, tighter, weirder games. You want to be able to be the teams that can kind of swing evenly um, with, with, with the teams like this moving forward. And I, you got to figure it out. And to me, looking around the state of college football right now, yes, you want your defense to play better. Yes, you want your defense to, to execute better than they did yesterday. But to me, it's still the offense has to find a way to get to that level. Because right now, against elite opponents, they're not getting to it. Switching gears. <laughs> Auburn basketball. This is not going to be only. Um, this it's is not, not just a recap, sir. We're previewing. Yes, it's going to be. I guess also kind of recapping in a way. Yeah, we will recap and preview um, here. The Auburn basketball um, experience here over this past weekend. Um Thursday Speaking of not being surprised by an outcome. Yeah, exactly. Against the number one team, against the best offense in America. Yeah, um, some crossover, huh? Thursday, Auburn beat St. Joe's in overtime. Kind of uh, in a beautiful way for gave you everything that this season should probably be about. Tons of potential, lots of exciting moments, and also some head scratching moments where you go, "Huh, have you guys played the sport before?" It's 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 one, and I don't even I think that's unfair. Uh, uh. uh you know, I think well, they blew a double-digit lead, but I'm not that surprised by that. They were playing a, an experienced team that went small ball and shot a ton of threes. It, it was just like it. They made mistakes that young teams make, right. like and and that's and that's kind of the and, that, and that's kind of the thing with this team is that they got out of control and they gave they gave they gave away the ball uh, in tough spots. They got lost on defense on on several occasions uh, in this St. Joe's game, but yet I thought against a team that's a lot more experienced than you, you banded together and the talent won out in the end. You got into an overtime spot where it looked like Auburn's going to lose that game. But Alan Flanagan hit some, hit some clutch free throws late. You draw up a great play to get Jalen Williams, the Jalen Williams, the, uh, the, the game time play. Let me pause you real qu- real quick. What did you think of Pearl's own analysis of that play call that ended up working, but he sort of afterward uh, slapped himself on the wrist. I thought the whole thing was interesting because yeah. it worked, but on the other hand, he was yeah. sort of like saying it wasn't his best call. Yeah, he said he immediately second-guessed the call because the call was they're going to swing it around 
They were going to get the ball. They were going to get the ball to. Um, they were going to get the ball to Devin Cambridge. It, to to, it was okay. to Cambridge on the wing, and they were going to run a slip screen because of the yes. way the way that um, St. Joe's was playing screens. The slip was going to be open. He said, "I immediately second guessed myself because I had the ball in the hands of Devin Cambridge, and if if St. Joe's reacted better and covered what uh what uh Jalen Williams better, two things had to happen. One, one, you know, Devin Cambridge had to pass the ball. He had to be the guy to make that accurate pass. Auburn's wings have had trouble turning the ball over in this early part of the season, as we also saw in the Gonzaga game. He had to put him in the pass situation. Two, if they covered it well, if if Williams covered it well." Uh, if Wivers, Williams was covered well, now you've got a guy with the ball in his hands in a in a late situation who hasn't shot the ball particularly well in that game. So it had to it had to be it had to go correctly. It was a perf it was a perfect play call in that moment. He was saying though, like an adjustment, like it could have easily gone sideways. Yeah, I guess I I, I follow you because it worked. Can you complain? Had it not worked, the the original look they were hoping for, he might have felt like he didn't put his team in the best position. But what we're seeing, what we're seeing though from this Auburn team early is that they that length and that and that athleticism is going to come very much in handy against so St. Joe's. Against oh. St. Joe's, they were able to dominate the uh, dominate the boards and win that game because they dominated the boards. They got a lot of second chance opportunities. They got a lot of points in the paint. It was a very different look, and they took advantage of the fact they were playing a team that was much smaller than them. Now, again, against Gonzaga. You see some of the limitations of what they have size-wise. They don't have a traditional post score. Jalen Williams, JT Thor, and by the way, JT Thor looks really, really good. He's he is he, wonderful. He has I he has he's, good about he's had some foul trouble. He's had some foul trouble early. It's limited his two play. Two for two on foul trouble. Yes. Jalen Williams had early foul trouble that kept him out of a lot of the first half against against Gonzaga. But Thor looks really good. But like Thor Williams, um, stretch to an extent. Um, these guys are kind of more face up kind of forwards fours and fives so that when you when you put them in there dylan carwell kind of degree back to the baskets not really kind of anything that that inside scoring is not necessarily a thing yet and you don't want to build the whole plane out of out of out of back to the basket but like you saw with gonzaga having a dude who can get his own down low really 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 helps um and so you saw some of the limitations of that but then also i looked to the i looked to the fact is that pearl was talking about defensively they were a mess against Gonzaga, and I he said part of that is just what Gonzaga does. They make you look bad because of how good they are. And Mark Few is one of the best offense coaches in America. He's they're going to get open and they're going to get their shots. Auburn did not play well defensively. He said they were a little too reactive. They weren't proactive. They weren't disruptive enough. Even still, though, Auburn had like seven or eight blocks against Gonzaga. And let me tell you something: if they're blocking Gonzaga that much and getting steals against Gonzaga that much. Active hands, active hands. That front court has super active hands. If they're doing that, man, the rest of the teams on that schedule better look out because that is a team that is going to be able to continue as they continue to get the mental aspect and the communication aspect and the and the in the foundational aspects of playing defense at the co- at the college level down. They're going to be able. That's only going to accent that that extreme length and athleticism and just that want to. I mean, stretch I can bullet is here to is here to you know throw your stuff into the into the third row and and also create steals off of it. Carwell, I think, has looked really good with some active hands early. Of course, Jalen Williams had such a good game in, in, in game one. And like I said, Thor, if you can cut down on his foul trouble, you can see, man, offensively, he's a matchup nightmare. Because he, he got to the free throw line against Gonzaga a good bit. 
And part of it was, was part great. of it because you just can't throws. hang with him. Yeah, and he was yeah, and he was perfect from the line. Um, the big thing with Auburn, as we as we've seen, is that they're really missing Sharif Cooper. Like, shocker. No one no one is surprised by that. Um, I think Turbo Jones has done a really good job early on of creating scoring. He's looked good early. Um, everyone's falling in love with uh, Justin Powell, like we all thought he would. Dude's a sniper. Um, he's been a very steady hand at point guard. He has not, I think he's only committed one turnover in the first two games. Auburn's had turnover problems elsewhere because they don't have that dedicated primary ball handler, um, especially when Jones is not on the floor. And again, Jones, Turbo Jones, for his for his strengths this season, is a combo guard by by trade. Um, but you can see, especially when, when, when Powell hits that three against Gonzaga and some of the shots he had against uh, – some of the three threes he had against uh, against St. Joe's, if they could get him back to his natural position, if that if he can get back to two, I know he's doing well at one right now, um, but there is some limitations there. He's got to get some more catch-and-shoot opportunities because he is a dead eye. He just – if he's open and he gets to pull the trigger, it's going down a lot of the time. Um, so – they really need Sharif Cooper back, and I don't know if they're going to get Sharif Cooper back. Um, we will see. Uh, I don't. I don't have any. I don't have any inside knowledge of, of what that situation looks like right now for Auburn. But if they could get Sharif Cooper back and they can play Powell more at the two, you're feeling a lot, lot better uh, about Auburn's chances moving forward. Um, Flanagan's offensive game is seen yeah, that, a yeah, impressive he, jump very forward. Impressive. I think you can make an argument that Powell is currently the most important player on the team given how good I know you're going to say Jalen Williams is, and rightfully so, but I think yeah. they've got some great depth at some of those positions. Yeah, they need, Powell, they need Powell. They need Powell yeah. was uh, very yep. impressive, at least in parts of that St. Joe's game. And then, you know, I really am excited about the prospect of what Cambridge could become. I sort of hope he settles into a role as like a sixth man is how I see that going. I don't know if you think that's off base or not, but man, you just look at the athleticism and the height and what they were able to do against an opponent like St. Joe's. I think Gonzaga was a great example of why it was important to take those lumps. I loved the first two games Auburn played. Yeah. My thing with my thing with Cambridge is that he's got to settle down. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we know he's a streaky kind of shooter. He was last season. He's got to be more consistent with offensively. Um, He has a, tendency to have a really quick trigger and he's had some turnover issues as well if he can settle down there um i think auburn's got a really really good weapon out on the wing flanagan i mean flanagan Ooh. that is a that is we talked about it all off season like hey you know need more need more on that end of the floor from you dude and uh he he scored 20 against gonzaga he's four of seven from deep which is crazy because he only hit five threes uh he was he only hit five threes last season and went 14.3 percent from deep and 45.9% from the free throw line. So far this season, he is 44% from deep and 80% from the line. He's shooting with confidence, and he's also getting to the rack uh, when uh, in the offseason uh, or in the preseason, I can't remember who it was, but they compared him to uh, a Coro, kind of in his slashing ability. Mm-hmm. People were kind of like, ah, you know, yeah, okay, three, you know, defensive guy who can get to the rack. Uh, I, okay, I can see it. We're, we're a little bit. Uh, that baseline drive and dunk he had, in the second half, that's a Coro. He looked he looked very much like a Coro did last season, doing that kind of stuff. Um, I'm interested to see what this team does moving forward. Stretch Akimbola continues to be the funniest player in the world in terms of in terms of uh, offensive impact for a guy who doesn't score that much. Just Auburn scores when he's on the floor, which is kind of funny to watch. Um, there's How many a, shots is he affecting on the defensive end? By a the way, a lot. 
a lot. It's like obvious to someone who's not like, I think you can just tell when he's on the floor, it's like, Oh yeah, it's really hard for the other team to get to the orange hoop. Uh, yeah. And Auburn's also re- gang rebounding. Like everybody's pitching in and rebound last year. It was like Austin Wiley got everything. And that's good yeah, because yeah. Austin Wiley was one of the best rebounding player. Uh, one of the best rebounders. I don't care who and, the production's coming from, but yeah, it's a lot more spread out this year. Mm-hmm. And and they're, they're getting active and like, again, this is a team that's got a lot of learning to do on defense. And there was no better lesson than just say, hi, we're Gonzaga. We're going to score 90 plus against pretty much everybody this season. And um, buckle yeah, up, buckle up. Now, it's going to uh, be a long day. Uh, right. It's just for Auburn in this season, and we'll see what happens with Cooper. But in this season, it's all about development. It's all about growth. It's all about learning, right? The wins and losses matter because wins and losses matter to players because that's why you play the game. Um, and it matters to fans, of course. But they don't matter as much as what you're getting out of them and what you're going to be able to learn from and what you're going to develop. You're building towards the future. As uncertain Especially of a future it kind of kind of looks like now for the program, you've got, you know, it, 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 I've compared it, and I think I said on the last podcast, I've compared it to, um, I compared it to like when an NBA team is quote-unquote tanking but maybe rebuilding is a better word where it's like, this is a very young roster and we know they're not making the playoffs. They're not playing the, making the postseason. It's all about, let's learn how to get this core playing together really well. And then see how it can go moving forward. Right. It's like, uh, it's like the Hawks the last few years, you know, I guess they weren't necessarily bottoming out a ton um, or maybe the Kings or something like that. It's like, you could like to get into the playoffs. And of course there are no postseason bands in the, in the uh, in, in the NBA, but like you know, it's an uphill battle um, to be one of the better teams around. So what you're learning is you have a really young roster that you're 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 getting you're putting them through the grind right now. How much is Auburn going to learn from that? They've got to get better on the defensive end. There, that's going to be a process. That is going to be something we're going to be talking about probably for a long time by getting better, getting better, getting better on the defensive end. But you see the offensive potential if they can slow it down. I shouldn't say slow it down. They continue to play. They Pearl wanted to actually play faster against Gonzaga. Um, maybe settle down is a better word. Don't have as many turnovers. These these non-steal turnovers, I think, have been an issue early for Auburn. They can settle it down, take care of the ball, and, and play better defense. This is going to be a fun team to watch all year. Um, and I think there were some parts about this game, unlike the, unlike the Iron Bowl, there were parts of this game that were fun to watch just because of the nature of basketball, if you're an Auburn fan. Um, when you're getting blown out by by the number one team in the country, there were some fun moments to watch in, in that one from this team. Now they play UCF coming up. Here's what we know about UCF this season. That's it. We don't know anything about UCF. They have a legitimate advantage in that way that they've seen Auburn play twice, and Auburn's like, well, we know some of the guys who are on your team this year. Yeah, uh, UCF coached by Gianni Dawkins. Uh, they were going to at least try to make a run, I think, at maybe making the NIT last season. 16-14 uh, last year uh, was a younger team. Uh, they're going to probably bring back most of their guys. It, it looks like um, not a great team in the AAC, but kind of a kind of middle-of-the-road team. Uh, a team that right now Auburn is projected to beat by two, uh, according to Ken Palm. Uh, they're 114 in Kempom. Auburn is 70th at this point. It is a true road game. They know what they're going to get out of Auburn. Auburn has no idea what they're going to get out of UCF because UCF was supposed to play Oklahoma, and they did not due to COVID protocols. 
Um, so Auburn's kind of flying blind. It's going to make things a little more difficult for Auburn on uh, on, on on Monday night. Um, so it's going to be a fun one. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be another very competitive game. We'll see how it all plays out because a lot of it's kind of a wild card. But I'm very interested to see is Auburn going to play more physically on the defensive end? Is it, how much have they improved on on defense? Some of the lessons they learned from playing Gonzaga, and yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see how this team takes care of the ball because those those turnovers kind of getting out of control sometimes have been has been an issue early. Fun team. It's going to be some perplexing games ahead. I think everything you just said rocks. Like there's going to be lots of good things too. It's just going to be a mixture. You saw it in the Gonzaga game against a team that has some NBA talent on it, quite a bit of it compared to some of Few's past rosters. Oh yeah. And, uh, on top of that, you mix in the experience, the good offense. Uh, I've got in a season in which Auburn could have gone to the tournament, I wouldn't have been worried about that loss. But now it's like, all right, whatever. You know, you just let's see something against UCF. This is a team that I think Auburn has more talent than. Certainly, the athleticism and height should be on display. Uh, so I, I, had, I had nothing but optimistic, even though the Gonzaga game was never particularly close. Yeah, uh, it's. It's again what you're going to get from this basketball team this year is this is a good this is a good time to learn and grow and uh, have fun watching these guys because uh, the big picture is in mind. We talked about the big picture for football and how it's a, it's a lot tougher to do that because of the sport and it's week to week basis, uh, but it is 100% fully that for for Auburn basketball uh, and a lot of Auburn fans are going to be really really wanting to see uh, see if Sharif Cooper could come in. Uh, and help him because I think I think Cooper makes a huge difference for this team if he's able to come back. Yeah, you're missing your most talented player, and you could see at times that Powell's a foundational piece for the future. Right, right, and you know, just these guys that haven't been asked a whole lot to do what it is Sharif was going to do were he present. Yep. So I I'm optimistic, and also if uh, if Auburn should sweep Alabama in basketball, which I think will be pretty tough to do, actually, uh, there. There will be a certain section of you on Twitter who certainly have to mute me, and almost certainly many of you will be blocking me. You think Auburn fans will do that? Uh, I think I'm going to be annoying about it. You know, it's just like sometimes. Yeah, but Auburn, volume, fa- but Auburn fans are fine with being annoying when it's about you know trolling Alabama. That's true, but don't you think volume in anything can get get redundant? Maybe so. Maybe I'm not giving the Auburn faithful enough credit here. For that's fine. The the haters and losers of which there are many outside of the Auburn fan base will not care for me, but. Uh, we we got to get there first. I think all things considered, one and one. Gotta, you knew it was gonna. You knew it was we got to have a college basketball happen. season because, buddy, I don't know if that's gonna happen. Um, yeah. yeah, that's also the, the yeah. dirty little little part right there. That's that's not so sure. I'm I'm with you on that. Given the way things are going in the NFL and college football, and certainly the amount of cancellations. Hey, or they haven't canceled a game in the NFL yet, though. Because that's <laughs> yeah. important. They're all is always on Monday. The, the Broncos, yeah, they have to keep they have to keep pushing games on Monday and Tuesday, and, and the Broncos literally don't have a quarterback on Sunday. But um, yeah, everything's great. Lo- yeah, I saw you love tweet, love uh, quote, you quote tweeted Shefty. Yeah, uh, I love state. I love state. PR? I love state media, man. Um, yeah, he's definitely running some PR for those guys. Yep, yep. So. Anyway, uh, that will uh, just about do it for this edition of the Auburn Observer Podcast. We went a little long there because we put some basketball in there as well. Don't worry, Auburn fans. Um, it wasn't all about the Iron Bowl. And I think Iron Bowl, really, I mean, when you have a game like that and you just flatly say, okay, well, the uh, you got whipped, um, 
kind of the big picture, I think, was the, was the bigger thing moving forward for Auburn football. Uh, up- uh, let me just say this. I'd pay a not insignificant amount of money to be a fly on the wall for film session in both uh, the football team post the Alabama game and the basketball team post the Gonzaga game. Cause I imagine a lot they found of learning. <laughs> yeah. I imagine they found one or two nice things, you know, maybe a little bit easier in the basketball team's case, but right. for the most part, I, I think the way you said it is definitely the most diplomatic way of putting it. Lots of learning to do. Um, this week at auburnobserver.com, $6 a month or $60 a year if you haven't signed up yet. We've got well over 500 at this point. Um, we hit 500 last Wednesday, and then uh, we have continued to pick it up. Um, I'm going to continue to put in a link for gift subscriptions in in our stories. You can click that if you want to buy one for the Auburn fan in your life. In your life. Yeah, if you want to buy them a month to get them to, to kind of check it out, or if you want them to go ahead and buy the whole year for them, uh, you can do that at auburnobserver.com. Um, upcoming this week, uh, Monday. Excuse me if you can hear Sarah shouting in the background. Oh, the Bills are playing. Something, yeah, something is happening with the Bills. It's like the game just kicked off, and she's already she's already in rare form. <laughs> um, Monday, film room. We're going to do a film room on uh, Auburn's passing game and some of the issues there against Alabama and what that means moving forward. Tuesday morning, uh, post-game observations – We'll do observations from basketball. So that Monday night, a late, a later game for Auburn on Monday night against UCF. You have post game observations on Tuesday from the Auburn UCF basketball game. Uh, look for a for a football story on Wednesday, most likely basketball story on Thursday. Friday we'll bring back the mailbag. Uh, Saturday morning, look for um, look for post game observations from Auburn's home opener against South Alabama. Uh, that is a later home game, so those will come go up on Saturday morning, and then Sunday. This time next week, we will have observations also from Auburn, Texas A&M football. We'll have the free podcast as well. Also on Thursday, uh, the premium podcast where we will preview both the Texas A&M game um, for football. We'll talk a little bit about Auburn UCF basketball and uh, and preview the Auburn-South Alabama opener at home in basketball as well. Painter, do you have anything to add for the people? That's all I got, my friend. I think all things considered, um, I braced for this outcome. And the heartbreak I felt after the Georgia game was much stronger than what I felt. It, it was slipping away early in the second quarter, and there was a moment of just, oh, here we go. Yep. And uh, then by halftime, um, which, you know, I guess one thing I will, I don't know if you may have already uh, brought this up. This is not an original thought, but... There was some frustration about that throw Bo had. You know, it was a difficult throw he was asked to make. I guess it was an, a, a led to the interception. But uh, which one? Things, the the one at the end of the first half. Oh yeah, it was a it was a tough out to to throw. And it, of course, it came a few plays after the drop touchdown. So exactly shouldn't exactly. have happened so, in the first place. Um, I, I'm just going to say that uh, I'm not surprised by the result that we got, mm-hmm. and I'm still nope. plowing ahead with my theory that Auburn's going to beat A&M and take care of business against Mississippi State. All right. We will see if they if they do indeed. Uh, rate and review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, premium podcast for subscribers. As we said, we will talk to you, the Inner Circle, on Thursday. Uh, for everybody else, we will talk to you next week uh, when we talk Auburn, Texas A&M, and a little bit more basketball as we press on uh, bounce backs against bad losses to number one teams for both camps of Tigers 
this weekend. All right. Until then, adios. And, uh, Painter, go figure out what's happening with the Bills right now. Go Bills.